Thank you, Logan. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are uh, in a uh, series talking about measures, so how are you doing? And uh, asking ourselves the questions. This is something for each one of us to be able to ask, you know, how am I doing? Some introspection. And we start, just to make sure we're all on the same page, with the mission statement of our church. The mission statement of our church is sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Nine words, but each of those words have great meaning to them. And so for us as a church, when we say Shades Mountain Baptist Church, when you become a part of this church, we are asking you to be a sent believer, one who's transformed that will influence their world for Christ. That sphere of influence that you have, use that for the kingdom of God. But the question is, you take something like this and say, well, this is the mission. You say, well, how am I doing? And how are we doing as a church? And how am I doing as an individual? Well, the way you know that is you have to come up with some measures. And so we have come up with six measures, which are six questions that each person needs to ask themselves. And we're encouraging you to do this on a periodic basis, just just like a checkup of saying, so how am I doing? And so in the midst of this, we came up with what we called 50 days of standing in the gap. And we started this at the 1st of October. And in the 1st of October, uh, we know that we had the presidential election coming up. We had these measures coming here. So our desire was that we would take 50 days from the 1st of October till the 20th of November and do some um, concentration on some things. So let me share what we're looking at doing. First of all, is we are to intercede for our nation and the presidential election. And so as we get closer and closer, we need to continue to pray about that. And we've provided a, uh, a prayer guide for you that's uh, online. And also I think there's some uh, in the resource area. And I encourage you to be praying at this very important time in our nation. But second of all, it was for us to be able to internalize these six measures. These were not six questions that we're asking in October and the first week of November and then saying, just push them off to the side. These are things that we want to be a part of our common language. And for you to be asking yourself the question, how am I doing in these areas? And last of all, is that we are intentionally praying and fasting. And so when we talk about intentionally praying and fast, praying for our nation, praying and internalizing these six measures and picking something out that we would fast, whether it be some foods or time or social activity, just so we can have some more concentrated time with God and be serious about this 50 days of standing in the gap. So we introduce uh, three measures so far. And the first measure that we introduced to you was the one that says, have I met with God today? And we begin to ask this question that every day when he said, have I met with God today? Have I had a fresh encounter with God? The second measure is, am I giving or taking? Am I giving or taking? And the third measure, and Jacob Simmons shared last Sunday, was who are my 2 a.m. friends? Who are my 2 a.m. friends? And so today, our fourth measure is this, and that is, is my passport current? Is my passport current? current. Now I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'd like every person here who has a driver's license to pull out your wallet, your purse, and pull out your driver's license. Just take a moment once you pull it out. For some of you, you got to dig deeper than others. Some of you are saying, oh my goodness, I left it at home. I hope I don't have a wreck uh, between here and there. I want you everyone to have your driver's license and on your driver's license, first question is, is the weight correct? No, I'm just kidding. No. 
<laughs> hey, hey, for years, not only was my weight not correct, but neither was my hair color. Uh, <laughs> you get looking down there, it's black. Oh, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Um, but there is something in our mind, it's kind of this top right corner over here. It's got expiration date. Expiration date. I want you to look at that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you may have had an expiration date surprise. You know, you never really look at that, and then all of a sudden, it sort of pops up, and you say, oh my goodness, my, my license expired. It was September of 2001, the week before 9-11, and I was flying to Michigan, and I was going to meet with a life coach. And what these life coaches do, they spend about a day and a half or so. And in that meeting, they sort of map your life out, find out where you've been, where you are, and give you some ideas as to how you can successfully move to the next future part of your life. And so I, I was at a crossroads, and, and I wanted to meet with this guy, and he was up in Michigan. And so I Got my tickets from Delta, went to the Birmingham airport, went to the counter to get my ticket, and I said, do you have your driver's license? Says, yes, I gave him my driver's license. She looked at me and she says, you realize it's expired. <laughs> and I said, not until right now uh, did I, I realize that. And luckily, she didn't ask about the hair and the weight, uh, but she took a look. And again, it was right before 9-11, so they were a little bit more easy on some things. And she said, well, I'm going to give you your ticket and for you to be able to get on the airplane. Let me ask this question. Do you have a rental car? I said, yes, I do. She said, mm, that's probably not going to work. I doubt seriously unless you have a rental car with an expired license. So I got on the airplane, nervous, the whole flight to Michigan, saying, I can't believe this, man. This guy's like, he's 30 minutes from the airport, and I already told him I'd be there. I'd drive over there. Sure enough, plane landed, got off in the airport, walked over to the rental car place, and, and uh, they said, got reservation for wood? Yes, we do. And took my my card out, my license, and I said, I'm just going to point something out to you, just a minor thing that, um, you know, it's expired, but only about two weeks uh, over here. And they looked at it and they said, hey, no car for you. Uh, you don't get a car. I said, really? I said, yeah. So then I had to do one of the more embarrassing things of life, and that is to pick up the phone and call a guy who's like a life coach who's going to help me get my life all together. <laughs> and say, hey, listen, uh, can you come pick me up at the airport? <laughs> My driver's license expired, and I can't get a rental car. From that moment forward, he says, I've got my hands full. Uh, this guy's crazy. But you know what, I, what was so interesting about that is I knew how to drive a car. In fact, I even had a map. I knew how to go from the airport to get to his house. Every, every, all of that I could do. But yet I was restricted because you see, my driver's license has expired. And, and just for the question we're asking here, is my passport current? You could sit there and be as specific as possible and say, maybe there's a uh, international trip or an international call that you had that you said, man, Jeremy's has talked about this opportunity and I met some GIC missionaries and I really want to go there. And then you plan your trip out and then all of a sudden you pull out your passport and you say, oh no, it's not current. And you can't get those turned around really, really quick. And so you've lost your opportunity. When you think about the question, is my passport current? You can drive it down to even a, uh, even a little bit more specific. And that is, 
Am I ready if God calls me? Am I ready to respond when God calls me? Whatever it is that God may be calling me to do, am I ready to answer that call? It's not a question of skills. It's not a question of ability. It's a question of availability. Am I available to go and to do what I believe it is that God is calling me to do? Am I able to respond to God's call? Is my passport current? We just use this as an easy-to-remember phrase. But I'm going to drill a lot deeper on this for us to be thinking about that question. When God calls, am I able to go? Can I respond to it? I love this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to read the first two verses in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says this. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Now, I grew up at a time to where when people got married, they had two sets of dishes, right? Fine china, and then like every day. So fine china, every day. And when you would send out wedding invitations and tell them where to buy your gifts, a lot of times people would say, my fine china is registered over here. Now, rarely would anybody spend that money to send you one of those plates. And if they did, you knew they were really close to you. But this was the expensive stuff, the fine stuff. But when you got that, you only used it for special occasions. This is not like, hey, we went to McDonald's and we brought some home. Let's bring out the fine china. No, no. In fact, a lot of times it has to be an outside guest that eats on those. If you live in a house that has fine china, you may have never eaten on it by yourself. You always have to have a guest. For us, it was uh, my mom. She had fine china, but then she also got these Christmas plates. And when she started getting her Christmas plates and getting her collection on there, this was like sacred stuff. I'm an adult. I'm married. I'm pretty responsible. Hey, can I set the table? No, don't touch the plates. She would have to put them on there, make sure they're on there. We finished the meal. Hey, can I help? Don't bring them in there. Nope, don't touch them. We'll do everything. You want me to help you wash? No. You want me to help you dry? No. Nothing can happen because these are the special plates. Now, they were plates that were used for special occasions, all right? So we're understanding this. It says, in a wealthy home, some utensils made of gold and silver, and they're used for special occasions. The cheap ones, hey, they're everyday use. Then look at what he says in verse 21. Verse 21, he says, now if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil. You'll be that special plate for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Just kind of drink that in for a moment. So if you keep yourself pure, God says, I can use you for something extraordinary. And you're going to be ready for the master used for every good work. If we paraphrase it into what we're talking about today, you could say, if you keep yourself pure, then your passport will be current. Your passport will be current. And you'll be ready for whatever it is that God has for you. So here's the question. How do you keep your passport, passport current? How do you keep your passport current? All right, I want you to stay with me. 
We're going to go through a number of things, and I want you to write these down, and hopefully some of those will resonate with you as you go through this measure and say, Lord, is my passport current? First thing is this. There are some things that you need to run from. There are some things that you need to run from, and they're found in verse 22. If you have your Bibles open, in verse 22a, it says, so flee youthful passions. Flee youthful passions passions. Now, sometimes when you see that, you say, oh, this must be like sexual temptation on there. But it's, it's more than that. If those who've done the word studies of this says it is, when it says flee, it, we know that we're to flee immorality, we're to flee the love of money, we're to flee idolatry. But this also talks about fleeing selfish ambition, fleeing arrogance. And that when he talk about the youthful passions, it's, it's, it's when you're real young and you think you got it all together and you know it all and you don't want to listen to anyone. And he's telling Timothy, a young pastor at this church, hey, you need to remind the people and even yourself, you need to flee these youthful passions. You need to flee the selfish ambition and you need to flee this arrogance. Because if God is going to use you, he needs someone who's pliable and someone who is humble. So you need to run from this. Second of all, he says, run from the godless chatter and quarreling. Run from godless chatter and quarreling. Look at verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarreling. Stay away from just stupid stuff that you know is going to be a fight. So that means that most of your sports talk radio, except for Ryan Brown's uh, uh, show, uh, you probably need to stay away from. Most political debate, you may want to stay away from. I mean, if, if you're just, if it's these things that are just, um, and you know, you know you can, you can meet with some people, and before you know it, you can ask a certain question, go a certain direction, and all it's going to do is cause a bunch of, of uh, arguments and quarreling and stuff. And he's writing to a pastor, and he's telling him in the church, he says, don't even get into all of that. Don't get into all that quarreling and godless chatter. There's a difference between having discerning questions and discerning conversations and even with differences of opinion. That's fine. And to have those discussions. He said, but when you get into some of these controversial things that are just silly and all it does is just bring on more and more uh, quarreling and then this chatter, he says, just stay away from it. Just run from it. And you see, when you say, is my passport current, if I am so entrenched with all of this kind of stuff, I don't even hear God calling me. And he says, these are the things that you need to run from, okay? But then he comes back and says, let me give you some things to run to. So there's some things that we need to run to. And you find it at the end of verse 22. At the end of verse 22, he says, I want you to pursue righteousness. Pursue. Um, there is, um, uh, through all of my studies in, in seminary, I, I'm not a guy that can just throw out uh, different Greek words here or there on that. I know you're disappointed in that, and I'll, I'll try to do better uh, in my second half of life. But there are some that stay with me, and one of them is the word dioko. And dioko is the word when in Paul uses in Philippians 3.14 where he says, press on, I press on for the mark, I press on. And, and, you know, I press on towards the prize to win the prize. And it's that word of where you're pressing on, you're running with everything you got. You got your chest out, you're crossing the finish line. Dioko, I just love that, dioko. This is the same word. It's not used a whole lot in scripture, but it's used right here. And right here he says, I want you to pursue these things. 
I don't want you to just slide into these things. I want you to pursue this. I want you to go after it with all that you've got. And the first thing he talks about is righteousness. He says, I want you to run to righteousness, which is your right standing before God. Run towards righteousness. Now, I want you to stay with me. Because whenever you hear righteousness in the Bible, there are, I'm going to call it two different types of righteousness. One is called positional righteousness, and one is called practical. Stay with me because this is pretty exciting. And we talked about this before. Positional righteousness. What positional righteousness is, is that it says that when Jesus died on the cross, that uh, our sins were imputed to him, and then his righteousness was imputed to us. That word imputed is a banking term, like to make a deposit. So when Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, And then he went to a cross to die for our sins. It says that our sins were imputed to him. They were placed on him. And so it was, it's just beyond our almost understanding to be able to grasp that all the sins of the world were placed on Jesus. And when God was looking at Jesus, he was looking at your sins on him. And he judged those sins and his son died. And he says that when his son died, Then three days later, God raised him from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, giving us the opportunity to have life everlasting if we receive him as our Savior. And so where it says that our sins were imputed to him, the Bible then says that, and the righteousness of Christ was imputed to us, which means he took, God took the righteousness of Jesus and he deposited in our account. And so as a believer, When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Those eight people that were baptized up here, that as they stand there, God looks at them, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's positional righteousness. But in this passage, when it says pursue righteousness, he's talking about practical righteousness. Practical righteousness, living for the Lord. Trying to live in a right relationship with God. We're never going to be perfect. We understand that. But he says pursue this. Dioko, rush after this. To live a life in keeping with God's word. And when you do that, then that's going to make your passport current to where when God calls you, you're going to be ready and able to go. The second thing he says is faith. He says pursue righteousness, but then he also says faith. That's the ability to trust God. The ability to trust God. Trust him here and now. Trust him with your future. Your passport will not be current if you don't have trust in God. I mean, to be able to trust him. Trust him for your safety. Trust him for the, not just for your, the um, eternity, but for tomorrow and for each day that stretches out before you. Faith in God. Well, then he comes back and he gives, I'm just lumping them all together, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, uh, not be quarrelsome to everyone, patiently enduring evil, love, peace, kindness, patience. And if you were here uh, last Sunday when Jacob was talking, Jacob talked about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And, and he, he mentioned those. These are four of those fruit of the Spirit. I mean, right there. He said, these are the things that you need to pursue. Pursue love. Pursue peace. Pursue kindness. Pursue patience. He said, Timothy, this is what you and your congregation needs to do. If we're going to keep our passport current, We as believers cannot just check a box and receive Christ as Savior and just live life like we want to and then say, well, I guess I'm going to be a uh, sent, transformed believer influencing my world for Christ. No, 
The transformation and the influence, that all takes place when we run to love, peace, kindness, patience. And he's challenging him to do that. But then look at the last thing he says. He says, the other thing I want you to run to is I want you to run to gently but firmly sharing the truth. Gently but firmly sharing the truth. You say, well, whoa, Danny, is that different, gently and firmly? Yeah, you know that. You know that as a parent, don't you? <laughs> you can be gentle with your child and firmly share the truth. You know, in a gentle way, I'm not going to holler, I'm not going to scream at you on everything, but I'm just going to let you know that what you did was wrong and you'll be grounded for six years, okay? It's firm, but gentle. And when you read this, it is so interesting. If you kind of go back up in there where it says, um, uh, verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Whenever you think about quarrels, you think about people raising their voices and all this stuff and getting kind of nasty at each other. And then he's got patiently enduring evil. And in verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. And God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. It's a reminder that we don't bring anyone to Christ. God does that. We just need to share the message. But we don't need to be quarrelsome about it. We need to be gentle, but yet still firm. We stand on the truth, but we don't need to be argumentative. We don't need to be hollering and all of of these type of things. You're getting the idea that what Paul is telling Timothy is turn down the rhetoric. There's quarreling. It's godless chatter. There is be gentle with those that you oppose. And so he's, he's telling him, you need to still stand for the gospel, but you need to be gentle in doing it. You don't need to be in shouting matches. I mean, if one thing that we've seen in our presidential debates is that it's just a lot of interruptions and a, and a lot of impugning of character and a lot of people cutting off each other. And, and then if you really want fun, you can wait for the after the debate and listen to all the other people from both sides arguing and people talking over each other. Ah, it's exhausting. And you know what what Paul is telling Timothy is he says, gently but firmly share the truth. Gently but firmly share the truth. You want to keep your passport current? Don't sit there and turn off everybody by uh, loud rhetoric and in people's faces and, and quarreling with people. No. Gently but firmly share the truth. Now, I'm going to give a, a shout out to, to Larry Taunton. Uh, Larry's a member of our church. Larry's at, with Fixed Point Foundation. We've had him preach here. Many of you have, have, have heard him. And uh, part of what he does in his ministry is he debates atheists. And, and I've seen the videos and seen him where he has gone into kind of into the, 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 dying, uh, the lion's den uh, to where most of the crowd, probably 90% of them, are against Christians or against him. And he is uh, on, not, doesn't have home field advantage whatsoever. And he's on one side of the stage and, and there's an atheist over here on the other side. And, uh, and each, you know, begins to present their case. And it's amazing how at times that the, the one who is standing for what atheists would believe is, is real attacking and getting after it. And Larry is this. He's gentle but firm. He's never flustered. He shows respect but he shares the truth. And it's been really interesting to see in some of the debates how all of a sudden the crowd changed 
just in the time of those debates to where they were cheering more for Larry than they were the other. And a part of it, not only the truth of the gospel, but how it was presented. And this is what he's saying. Keep your passport current. Be gentle but firm in sharing the truth. So we have some things that we run from. We've got some things that we run to. But also there's some things that we need to review. And this is about as practical as we can get. When you think about, is my passport current? I've got some areas that I want you to look at and for you to work on to make sure you keep your passport current. Number one is this, finances. Finances. Are you drowning in debt? Are you living overextended with maxed out credit cards and are you living beyond your means? You see, when poorly managed finances restrict you from going on mission or financially helping those in need, it is the same as saying your passport is not current. Now, for a lot of people in the way we are over the mountain, keeping up with the Joneses, whatever it may be, we get maxed out credit cards, we get so deep in debt that all of a sudden, when there's a call that God says, I would want you to do this or to go here or to help meet this need, you sit there and you say, in essence, my passport's not current. I can't do that. We are so strapped because we're living beyond our means that we really can't be flexible to do anything for God. And so one of the first things I would encourage you to do is just take a look at your finances and you say, hey, that's me. Well, you know, you can make a choice to where you can start today and say, I'm going to make an effort to get to the point to where financially, if God calls us to do something different or calls us to go on a mission trip or calls us to support this family or calls us to adopt a child or calls us to foster care someone, that we have got the funds to be able to do that because we're just going to live within our means and not be living outside our means. See, I would say that the majority of those who are Christians, this is where the biggest problem is. To where it would be a lot of people that would say, I'd love to, but man, we're just so tight on here. And many times we're tight here because we control this. Now, I know there are examples of things that come up that's completely out of your control. I fully, I fully understand that. Uh, but for the vast majority, nah, it's just choices. It's just choices that you make. And so when you ask the question, is my passport current? Let me think about financially. Where are we? A is attitude. Attitude. Attitude is, um, uh, I just wrote these things down. <laughs> Negative, critical, whining, excuse-making, blaming others, joy-sucking attitude. Um, and I can put faces with every one of these. Um, and I'm not saying they're here. I'm just saying in my years of living, I have, I have countered people. And you, you have too. In fact, when I say negative, yeah, I guess I went critical. Yeah, whining. Oh, excuse maker. Yes. Blaming us. Yes. Joy sucking attitude. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Right. Well, you see those kind of attitudes. And do you really think that God is rubbing his hands saying, man, I can't wait to put this person on my team? You say, no, he's not. You wouldn't even hire him to work for you. But yet, you can find yourself falling into this kind of attitude to where everything's negative, everything's blaming someone else, everything's an excuse, and everything's this and this and this. And then you say, why didn't God ever use me? Why would he want to? Why would he want to do that? Is my passport current? Do an attitude check. 
Have I got an attitude that is sort of forward thinking, trusting God, an attitude that, that's more positive than negative, one that's more helpful to others? Uh, would, would I have an attitude that would represent his kingdom? You got to understand, as believers, we're ambassadors for God's kingdom. We are his representatives. I, you know, I remember when I was working at a telephone company and I was doing sales training. And uh, when I do sales training, we'd bring people in from all five states and they come to Birmingham and I'd, I'd get these newbies in class trying to teach them how to, how to sell um, communications equipment. And the very first day, orientation, I would give the same talk. And that is, remember who you represent. You represent the Bell System. So while you're here, you're staying in a hotel, you're coming from out of town, you're going to be out and about everywhere else, remember who you represent. You represent South Central Bell and act like it. Then I put a caveat and I said, and if you act like an idiot and you get in trouble, just tell them you work for the power company. Uh, And so it worked. But it is who you represent. And and so the attitude, you got to do that review. You say, is my passport current? How's my attitude going? Okay. Number three, relationships. Relationships. If there is unforgiveness and bitterness towards someone else, there are like shackles that will wear you down. And you really cannot consider being a transformed person who's going to influence their world for Christ because you really can't get your mind off of this relationship that is in tatters and that um, is causing you anger and is causing you hurt and pain and um, because there's this lack of forgiveness. Now, there'll be painful relationships that we just, we have to live with, and, and some of that's just life. But the ones I'm talking about are the ones that between one person and another, that there is this conflict, you know what it is, nobody wants to deal with it, nobody wants to say, I'm sorry, no one wants to ask for forgiveness, but you just keep that little struggle. And it just, it shackles, it just weighs you down. And so when God's ready to call you and tap you on the shoulder and say, I've got something for, that I want you to do, uh, and, and, and I want you to continue to grow in your walk, and you say, well, I really can't grow in my walk because I've got so much anger over here, so much bitterness over here that I'm, I've got. And what God wants you to do is to get to the point to where there can be forgiveness there and there can be a oneness together in that relationship. And then there's this fresh breath that blows through. And as that fresh breath blows through, then all of a sudden there's a transformation happening in my life and I'm growing. And then I've got an opportunity to be an influence in my world for Christ. Is your passport current? How about those relationships? Number four is margins. Number four is margins. You see, some of you are so busy in your schedule that even God couldn't shoehorn his way into it. And that we have lined up our schedules to where we've got almost every moment of our day and night are taken. And whatever opportunities come that this church offers, we need to volunteer for this, or we've got a mission opportunity over here, or there's a neighbor that's hurting over here. We just look at the schedule and say, I just don't have time for that. And in essence, what you're saying is my passport's expired because I really don't have any time. And so, God, I really can't be used to be an influence in that area. Look at your margins. Look at your time. It's amazing the number of people that have gone on mission trips, whether it be um, 
within North America or international. And so many of their testimonies were, I've not gone in the past because I was just too busy. And I finally came to the point to where I said, no, I'm going to make some time. And they went on the trip and they have been effusive with praise of saying, it changed my life. I am so thankful that I did that. Now, when they first took a look at it, too busy, don't have any time for it. When they finally did carve out the time and then they went, I said, this is great. And now I'm going to shift my schedule so I can always be flexible for whatever God may call me. Number five is health. Five is health. From a health standpoint, there are controllables and uncontrollables. For a lot of us, we've got controllable situations in our health. You make choices. Healthy eating, healthy exercise, sleep, all these things that we keep hearing over and over that we know that are best. You say, Danny, why do you bring that out in sermon? Well, the reason is, is because you don't eat right, you don't exercise, you don't feel good, you get illnesses. You can't be used by God to do a number of things that he wants you to do. In essence, your passport's not current because you have just limited whatever he would want you to do because you've made choices, health choices, that would keep that from happening. And so when I'm asking the question, is my passport current? I've just got to even ask a question about my physical health. And maybe it is a mission trip uh, downtown. Maybe it is to get together with a bunch of other guys that are going to go and clean someone's yard and I don't have the health to do that or go on an international trip or whatever it is or God's called you to serve somewhere for a time. But you say, well, you didn't pass the physical. You see, a lot of that we can control. You say, well, what about the uncontrollable? To where I'm walking through, whether it be cancer or, or another journey like that, I've got heart conditions on there. You know, what I would say to you is that if, if God ever places you in that particular part of the journey, it is not taking him by surprise. And he has not put you on the shelf and said, well, I can't use you anymore. You're damaged goods, not at all. What he's saying is, hey, guess what? I got a new pathway for you. And I'm going to walk with you on this pathway. And I'm going to use you as you walk along that pathway. Hey, best example is Ken Logan. Ken Logan was a longtime member of this church and just a godly man. And he fought cancer. And he fought it hard and, uh, and long. But what's amazing is every time you talk to Ken Logan, when he started taking down that journey, every doctor knew where he stood with Christ. Every nurse knew where he stood with Christ. The people that were sitting in the waiting room waiting on their chemotherapy and radiation treatments, they knew where he stood with Christ. He was an amazing witness for the gospel. And, and he did it through the words he said and not just the words but his attitude. As even the nurses would come and there was just a glow about him and they would make those comments. And see, this is Ken Logan. His passport was current until the day he stepped into eternity. He didn't choose the, the cancer journey. But I'll tell you what he did choose. He chose how he would respond to that. And because of the way he responded to that, the kingdom of God was advanced. And last of all is willingness. Willingness. Are you willing to go wherever God calls you? Are you willing to go wherever God calls us? I love the phrase that people have used, and that is, put your yes on the table. That whenever you sit down for a guy, just put your yes on the table and say, God, I'll do it. Are you willing to go? Um, I think that we have, do we have the shade stories in the, in the pews? We, we do have, okay. Shade stories. Tom and Sherry Boston, 
I'm on them, right? Good. All right. Tom and Sherry Boston. It's your homework assignment. I want you to read that. Tom and Sherry, perfect example of just being willing to go. Willing to go to Thailand to work there for two years, came back, working somewhere else, willing to do whatever God's called him to do. We've called him now to be our minister of administration. He said, I'm just willing to do. I'll put my yes on the table, and God has guided them and directed them. Global Impact Celebration will be at the end of February. There will be missionaries that will be here, and there will be church planters. We'll have church planters from New York City. We'll have uh, some that are from uh, New Jersey, some that are from Washington, D.C., Huntsville, Alabama, Denver, Colorado, Indianapolis, Indiana, a couple of them from Miami. You're going to have an opportunity to meet them, kind of rub shoulders with them. Who knows? Maybe in talking to them, you're thinking, you know what? I would love to move to that city and help support them. There may be college students who are getting ready to graduate and say, where do you want to start your career? Well, I think I may want to start my career in one of those sin cities. S-E-N-D, not S-I-N, all right? Send cities is what Nam calls them. One of those send cities that I want to go and I want to match up and work with a, um, work with a church planter. But you see, I, I'm not telling you what God's telling you to do. I'm just saying, put that willingness there. Wouldn't it be great if when you kept asking the question, is my passport current, to go to this question right here and say, willingness to go wherever it is that God's called me to go. And when GIC comes, just say, God, I'm willing. You know what God may say to you at the end of that week? Hey, I love you where you are. Stay pat. Great. You know what God may say to you? Did you get your heart kind of burning with this guy over here? Did what this person shared over here begin to sort of move within your heart? Did you just find out that your spouse is thinking the exact same thing? What do you think? Do you think God's up to something that you'd never thought about? An exciting new adventure, a next chapter in your life? Do you think that could happen? You see, it'll never happen until you get to here to the willingness to just say, hey, I put my yes on the table and God will do whatever it is you want me to do. Okay? All right, close it with this and this is result. So what's the result of all this? The result of all this is verse 21. The result is 21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, what does that mean? Man, that means great news. That means you will be useful to the master. It says here, useful to the master. Useful. Willing and available to serve him. Useful to the master. New Testament's written in Greek language. The word useful is only used three times. That word, that particular word, I think it's used in the New Testament, used three times. It's used here. And the other two times I've seen Paul use it is chapter 4, verse 11. And he says, Mark has been useful to me. Mark was a guy who messed up. Paul brought him back in. And at the end of Paul's life, he said, he's very useful to me. Second one, Anisimus. That was the slave from Philemon, went through that series not too long ago. He messed up. Paul says he's useful to me. I want you to hear me. When Paul uses that word useful, he's saying you'll be useful to the master. And that means even if you've messed up, even if you've had things happen in your life that you have dropped the ball on, God says, I can still use you. So when you go through these measures, don't ever get to one of the measures and say, well, because of what I did back here, God cannot use me now. Not at all. You are useful to the master. So the first thing is you'll be useful to the master. And the second is for every good work. You're ready for every good work. Man, that word every, you know what that word every means? Every. (laughs) It means every. 
for every good work. You'll be useful for every good work. So when you're saying, is my passport current? When you make your passport current, what you're doing is telling God, I'm available for every good work. Whatever it is you want me to do, I am willing to do it. I'm there and my passport's current for every good work. There's some things we need to run from, things we need to run to. Every one of us needs to do a review, take those six things and review. And then if our passport's current, then we get to reflect on the result of being useful to the master and ready for every good work. May we all ask ourselves that question. Is my passport current? And then my response to you is, so how are you doing with that? Let me pray. Father, we thank you this day for your word. We thank you for the challenge. Lord, may each one of us take this week and ask ourselves, is our passport current? And may we do everything that we need to do to keep that current and then to be open to respond to your, your direction and your guidance. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.